This episode of the How a Car Washing is sponsored by OmniX Labs. OmniX Labs uses your existing video camera system coupled with machine learning and artificial intelligence to give you valuable information about your car wash. OmniX can predict car wash volumes, identify loyal customers who aren't club members, and develop customer demographic groups for better marketing programs. OmniX can also give owners and managers a trusted set of eyes to assist in managing day-to-day -day car wash operations. If you would like to automatically get actionable information from your video system, visit omnixlabs.com and request a demo. Welcome to the How of Car Washing, the podcast that helps the car wash owner, operator, and manager address the challenges and opportunities associated with building and running automated car washes in today's fast-paced environment. And now, here are your hosts, David Begin and Henry Lopez. Hi, and welcome to this episode of the How of Car Washing. This is your host, David Begin. Thank you for joining me today. Appreciate you being with us. Hope everybody's washing a lot of cars here as we go from fall into winter. Uh, we're kind of getting into our, our busy season here in Colorado uh, starts. We already had a snow in the middle of October, so we had a pretty good snow a week or two ago and uh, you know, saw the car washes being very, very busy. So we're kind of in that, that mode now where we're gonna be washing quite a few cars until uh, the end of spring. But I got a special guest today, uh, Anup Patham from OmniX Labs. And we're gonna visit about their technology. They've got some really interesting technology. Uh, I've always been a big fan of incorporating technology into the car wash environment. And they've done some, uh, some really cool things with, uh, with technology and cameras and we're gonna talk to Anoop about that and, and what they're doing and how it kind of fits into the car wash market, but other, other industries are also focused on. So Anoop, thanks for joining me today. I appreciate it. Well, thank you, David, for having us. So uh, appreciate your time. We're uh, fans of your podcast. Good, good. Well, thank you so much. I, I, I do appreciate, I always love to get good, uh, good, good, good feedback on, on the podcast. So thank you. But uh, so OmniX kind of started in a different direction. I think when you've kind of started your company, Kind of give the background of yourself and the founder, you know, where you guys kind of came from, what made you start the company, what was kind of the, the uh, impetus to get the company started? Sure. Uh, well, my co-founder and I, uh, we were actually running a uh, IoT and RFID services company. Um, and that's where we really got the, the inspiration for it. We were actually giving customers visibility on their facilities and operations. And I know a lot of your listeners are familiar with RFID. And so we were dealing with that at a corporate level and um, providing that analytics and insights, helping customers with their top line and bottom line. Uh, but we kept running into a familiar theme and, and that's how we got the inspiration to, to start OmniX Labs from there. Okay, and that, that theme was, what, 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 was the, you know, what was the problem that people were trying to solve that you were gonna help them with? Yes, so there were basically, interested in assets, interested in the visibility, interested in the insights, but they kept coming to deal with the same problem, which is the complexities of the hardware portion of the solution. And I'm sure you're familiar with it as well, tags, readers, antennas, uh, the administration overhead, and not to mention obviously the, the on, uh, ongoing consumable costs, but also the upfront capital costs. Right. And so we started thinking about, well, how, how can we eliminate or minimize this hardware component um, and really just make it more software oriented and, and more turnkey? Um, and that's when we 
realized that there was a technology that was evolving in the market called machine vision. And how machine vision works is basically you're able to take any image from a video or camera, break that down and recognize objects through it. And we knew that there was one piece of hardware that all companies have and businesses have, and they have no problem using it, and that's security cameras. Mm -hmm. So we figured, hey, if we can reuse that existing hardware asset, we could eliminate that out of the equation and yet give the customers what they wanted, which was that visibility and insights. Yeah, uh, we, we, were, we, we were talking a little bit earlier about uh, the podcast we did about uh, whether license plate recognition or RFID technology right. is going to win out. I remember that one. Um, you know, when it comes to un, 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 unlimited clubs. And I think we we kind of come to the conclusion that LPR still has some some a little ways to go, but we think that's probably going to be the technology that's going to win out in the end. So you sort of made that same transition because you were trying to deal with asset tracking and helping organizations track large assets through RFID tags. And you were just running into the same issues we run into with RFID tags and RFID readers and hardware and failure and changes in RFID tags and things like that. That's correct. Yeah. And so we wanted to really find something that was, you know, non-invasive. Um, and, you know, most companies, they obviously have a core business to focus on and dealing with just yet another technology, another set of processes. Uh, it was just becoming too, uh, too much of a burden, especially for small businesses. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you you made the decision somewhere along the line in your company to say, hey, let's use existing technologies. And that's where the cameras came into play. Yes, that's correct, David. Okay, okay. So camera technology is ubiquitous, at least with a lot of industries. So people use cameras quite a bit, whether to track what's going on, to monitor what's going on. It's become a real popular item, at least in the car wash industry. It's really helped managers be able to replicate themselves in multiple locations by being able to observe what's going on in cameras. It also acts as kind of a checkpoint for employees too. So managers can use it, employees can use it. It's been a big help to us in the industry as far as damage claims are concerned. So one big issue that we've always has is the perception that the car wash is damaging cars or scratching cars. And with, with high resolution cameras nowadays, we're able to kind of help the customer understand that the car wash, you know, for the most part, didn't create the damage that they think the car wash did. Right. I mean, there's a n number of processes that I think, as you said, camera technology can help with. Um, in that particular space, I think there's already some pretty cool solutions that exist there to help you with that. But what we're able to do is reuse those cameras. So it could be the high resolution one, sure, but it could also just be your regular security cameras that are pointing at the lanes anyway. So Tapping those is what we really wanted to reuse and then give you this additional insight and analytics on top of those. Oh, that, that's great. So you, you, you've kind of found your way into the car wash industry. How did you find your way into the car wash industry? You know, what did, did the customers come to you? Did you, did you go to them? What were some of the issues they were trying to grapple with? Yeah, that was an interesting story. Uh, my co-founder, Muthla, she was presenting at CES and talking about our technology and, and a very large tier one car wash, uh, Chen came to us and said, you need to, you need to help us with this, this. You can solve a lot of our problems. So we were actually um, focusing a lot on what we call quick service retail, um, which is your drive-through type solutions. And there's so many parallels with that space. So we were pretty excited. We, we met that chain. Um, they love the solution. And we obviously have gone ahead and implemented there. And 
there's sort of three areas that we really were able to give them the the assistance in running their business. Um, one was just um, real-time eyes on your location. You know, what are the basics that are happening in your location, all your locations, vehicles moving through the facility, how long are the queues, the duration of the visits, um, really helping you keep on top of your business even when you're not there. Um, yes, we can do the license plate reading as well, which um, some other dedicated LPR solutions can do that as well. But we were adding make, model, uh, body type, color, et cetera. So you were getting a much more richer picture of what's going on mm -hmm. in, in your facility. Uh, the sort of second layer of what uh, we found was needed as well was more of that step back and taking advantage of analyzing the data. So reacting to an event, say, when queues were exceeding a particular uh, threshold of time, uh, so we could send notifications. Um, you would be able to then better target, say, uh, multi-repeat customers. Visitors, as they come through as your pay-as-you-go lane, you want to convert them to unlimited. We were able to send notifications to the attendants to let them know, hey, that's a repeat customer. They've been here this many times before. So really taking advantage of that data and then acting on it as well through various indicators. Yeah. And then the, the sort of the final layer we really helped them with was um, predictions. So helping them run their business better. So we built a lot of neural networks, a lot of machine learning capabilities. And so we started combining what Omniex was seeing um, at the facility with what was happening around the location, maybe weather patterns, traffic, um, public holidays. And so we started actually helping them predict what their sales volume will be by the hour, which obviously has a whole bunch of benefits, whether it's um, demand management, staffing, supplies, et cetera. Yeah, no, I think that, that, that's fantastic stuff. And I, the interesting thing is, you know, we've moved kind of, the industry's moved quite a bit into this unlimited program operations. And it's easy for us to kind of understand what's going on with the unlimited program customers. But for most of us, that's probably, you know, less than 50% of our customer base. And the way we try to sell clubs is they go and say, let's staff our pay stations if we have them or staff right. the greeter and try to push the unlimited club. But you go a step further where you can identify, you can identify the individual car. Is that in conjunction with the license plate information or can you pretty much identify the car without license plates? I mean, we like to use the license plate as, if you will, the unique record locator, okay. but obviously we can merge other data because we can see the make and the model, the color, et cetera. But obviously that's the easiest identifier for us. And then, yeah, you're right. Once we've captured that, we then see the, the patterns of that particular vehicle, how many times it's seen before. And we relay that information pretty much in real time to that attendant so they can take action. And, and I think, you know, being in the industry, you know, the conversion rates, depending on um, probably the areas of the U.S., but they hover around the 5% type level, but we can make you much better than that because you're going after the, the right um, potential for conversion, not just any customer coming down the line. Yeah, right. And, and we get customers that came in all the time and said, hey, I come here all the time and right. this, that, and the other thing, and we didn't really know if they came here all the time, and they probably didn't really know if they came there all the time either. <laughs> So, you know, so sometimes we would treat a loyal customer a little differently than we would treat somebody who's there, you know, for the second time in a year. 
Um, and, you know, but that, that was information that would, that, that we didn't have. And that, that was, that was frustrating for us a lot of times. So I, I guess what you're saying is, you know, with this technology, you can then prompt somebody working at the car wash. Hey, this guy has come four times already this month. You know, they'd be a great candidate for the unlimited club and you can get that real time prompting. That person can go out and talk to that customer instead of the carpet bombing type of approach that, uh, we might do with trying to sell unlimited programs, we can target that and have a much higher conversion rate. That's correct. And, 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 the, and the way you approach it, it could be real time, meaning the notification is sent to the attendant because you know that attendant can do a great job of converting that customer, but maybe you're not as confident of that delivery model and you say, look, I want to do offline marketing. Well, that's fine. We can just send you that, that information later and you can use that for you know, your mail, mail order campaigns, et cetera. Right. Good. Good. Yeah. So I, I think I, I think that's really exciting that, you know, that capability exists. But I also like the capability of really identifying the unique car. And I know license plate recognition does have a much higher percentage uh, success or capture rate, but it's still not 100 percent perfect. So it's somewhere in the 90 percent. And I've heard it was right. 93 to 97 percent. But it was interesting that you brought this up because even license plate recognition companies or the, the point of sale people are realizing that license plate recognition isn't quite an exact science. If you wash 500 cars a day and you're missing 5% of them, then that's 25 cars that you've got to somehow deal with because the system wasn't able to recognize your license plate. That, that's, that's a lot of work in, in conjunction with that. But if you were to layer on this technology, which can identify the make and the model of the car along with the license plate, um, you're going to have a much higher percentage success rate. Yeah, absolutely. And having been exposed to both RFID and and LPR, and of course I listened to your podcast uh, not that long ago about that topic as well. I mean, no, no technology is perfect. Absolutely, they all have their challenges. Uh, we like to think of RFID as um, blind but deaf, and LPR um, yeah. uh, deaf but uh, uh, very strong on the visual side. And, and what we've tried to do is try to com compensate for some of those weaknesses. So yeah, if you can start to merge different data points, um, you can come up with almost like a high probability um, recommendation. Say, look, and this is, this likely is that existing customer. So so let them through. Yeah, no, I think yeah, that's great. Now, I, I I like that a lot because I think you know we've got to have some better information necessarily because customers get super frustrated when they when they believe they're loyal and they sign up for a club. They have that expectation that you know they're going to be treated a little differently than just an uh, a la carte customer. And when you're not able to do that, it creates a little bit of frustration, a little bit of friction there with the customer. That's right. And, and also for your employees as well, right? They have to deal yeah, with yeah. dealing with those exceptions. Yeah, yeah. And they're, they're doing their best to try to service, but they can only do so much when the technology doesn't, doesn't support them the way they need to. Um, but you're, you're also in other industries. What, what are some other industries that you've deployed this technology in? And what are some of the questions they're trying to ask? And I'm not asked, but answer. Yeah, so we decided to focus on a handful of areas of industry, uh, industries, I'd say. Uh, one is the quick service retail. So I mentioned earlier, but just think of your drive-thrus. So convenience type drive-thru for food, et cetera. So um, very similar parallels, really looking for analytics, really looking for that operational visibility, but also looking to connect with the customer, recognize those repeat customers or those loyal customers and act on that accordingly. Um, and then they're all so interested in sort of those demand 
um, views and, and, pro and projections of what's likely to happen uh, down the road, whether that's the next day, et cetera, or the next few hours. And so we've applied that in that space. We think it'd be fantastic for the, the car wash industry, a lot of parallels, so we're, mm -hmm. we're planning to stay here. Uh, the, the other area we've been focusing on is uh, logistics. So think of container and terminals, uh, ports. So similar type of thing where um, containers are moving in and out of uh, confined areas, in this case yards, and they, are, they get measured and compensated or penalized for the movement of those uh, containers in and out, um, the utilization of the chassis, <laughs> which could be the tunnels. So a lot of parallels there and same sort of challenges of understanding where those um, containers and assets are, how long they've been there, and uh, predict predicting where they're going to be and how many are they going to be. Yeah. Okay. No, and that's... then there's another, sorry, sorry, uh, there's another space I totally forgot to mention, which we've really been pushing on, which is the, the advertising side too. So um, a lot of the digital screen operators are looking to make a more stronger connection with their audience. And so we're helping them recognize the patterns and activities around those screens to then deliver better contextual advertising. Okay, good. So if you're going in to buy a cell phone, for example, in a cell phone store, you might have key, uh, screen kiosks where people can look at the current products, kind of make some choices. But being able to customize that to a certain demographic gives you a lot better capability to sell to that person. That's right. And, and, and in a not too um, invasive way, and we made a decision to value privacy through this. So we decided not to take on feature um or, or sorry we didn't decide not to take on facial recognition and focus on feature recognition and what we mean by that is we're not storing people's faces uh when as you said we're measuring or detecting the age and gender and the profile but we're not we don't know that's david uh, we just know it's a it's a male in this age demographic yeah so we're, we're, we're trying to keep a line of you know respecting privacy and yet still deliver um, a good experience for the customer. No, I, yeah, I, I think that's tremendous. I remember when I saw the demo, we were watching people come into a store and it was, it was a 34 to 39 year old female. That's right. And yeah. I thought that's, that's interesting, right? So you, you, you keep the demographic somewhat broad, but it gives you a lot of great information. And one thing when we were talking earlier about the technology is sometimes we don't know the questions that we're trying to answer. And your technology helps us think about that. So if I knew, for example, like between nine o'clock and 1130 on Monday through Thursdays, 82% of the people that come to my wash are female. Right. That would be interesting information. Now, I don't know what to do with that necessarily, but at least I have that information um, that I can, I can say, okay, do, do I need to, well, what, what can I do differently in my business to cater to you know, moms with kids that come to our car wash. That's right. And uh, we had a similar experience with one of the quick service retail uh, chains, um, but they actually had the opposite um, uh, indicator, meaning they were having that same example where they were getting a particular demographic, yet their mail campaigns and advertising campaigns were for a different demographic. <laughs> so right. it was actually validation to know that it wasn't working and they had to change it. Right. Okay. No, that, that, that's a great point. That's a good point. So you, you've used a couple terms here. We're going to kind of help our non-technology folks. You used IoT, 
which is the Internet of Things, which is a pretty common term that's been flying around the technology circles. Can you explain what IoT is and, and how it's used now and how it's possibly used in the car wash industry? Yes, yeah, so Internet of Things is, is broadly speaking devices that are connected to the internet, um, and these could be smartphones, but they're also typically things like uh, Bluetooth beacons, um, something that can basically, a sensor type, uh, could be RFID as well. So all of these that help uh, stitch together a picture of what's going on, but they're connected via the internet. So in, in some ways, the um, RFID solution is a form of IoT. Um, that coupled maybe with other devices, is, is, is such as uh, Bluetooth, which um, may or not be used in your industry, but is used in others, um, all sits together to form a picture. Okay, yeah. So that's a that's that's a very ubiquitous technology now, and it's amazing how many things are actually connected to the internet. Even our camera systems, for example, we were talking about our camera systems. Most of us have IP cameras. That's right. It means that we, if we can get into our network, we can uh, we can uh, look at a particular camera by addressing an IP address, uh, which is basically the home address of that camera. We can get it. We can get at that information specifically, and that's how your technology accesses information is through IP cameras. That's right. Yeah. So our our hope is to not um, add any more to your technology stack. And so most people have cameras, most people have security cameras, most of them are connected at the back to some recording device like a DVR, and then yes, they have IP addresses. And so how our technology works is actually we, we stream the camera feed video over the net by that IP address to our servers in the cloud, process the video information, keep the data, and throw away the recording. So yes, you're right, that's a, another example of an IoT device. Yeah, and, you, and you've been very focused on the privacy factor here because, you know, the information that you get can be, you know, if, I mean, it's, it's every, everybody's concerned about privacy when it comes to their information and their data. And, you know, when, when you walk in a store, you know, you want to make sure that the information is being, being managed properly and, and being kept private. So I, I appreciate that. And you were talking about some of the European standards are a lot higher than the U.S. standards when it comes to that. That's right. I think privacy, along with, there's a lot of um, news in the recently about Facebook and probably people not realizing how much was being captured. Uh, Europe has gone um, quite aggressively on this front and there's a regulation called GDPR um, and they talk a lot about not keeping people's personal information um, or disclosing and we try to get ahead of that and say, okay, what will that, what does that look like? And most likely some level of that will be implemented here in the US shortly. So why not get ahead of it? And why not set up our own principles about what we will do, what we will keep and what we won't. So um, we made those decisions consciously not to enter certain spaces. We're happy with that. And I think uh, I think we can still find the right balance of adding value for businesses, great experience with customers, but trying to preserve privacy as best we can in this era. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Yeah, I think a lot of people didn't realize what they were signing up for when they join Facebook and some other products like that. <laughs> they were giving away quite a bit of information. So, you know, that pendulum is swinging back, which I think is good. So you used another term that I don't know. I've heard it a lot. And back back in my technology days, I would have made up an answer here, but I'm not going to do that anymore. So when you talk about neural networks, would you give us just a quick brief summary of what that is? Yeah. So maybe I, maybe I should just step back and give a little bit about 
where the term neural networks came from. I think you'll hear terms like machine learning. Right. You'll hear terms like artificial intelligence. And I think these terms have been around for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we've just made some leaps and bounds recently in terms of technology that I guess are propelling us closer to artificial intelligence. I don't think we're there with artificial intelligence, at least in in my opinion. Um, And so things like machine learning, you'll get the term and basically what we're doing there is uh, extracting useful patterns from data with as little human involvement as possible. And so, for example, OmniX will help predict your volume tomorrow at your location by hour. So how it does that is it, looks at various data sources from not only what's happening in existing sales for today, but what's happened in the past, what other data around um, that location helped come up with that conclusion. And so you'll, to do that, you need lots of processing power, which is the cloud. You need um, lots of data, which is what we're capturing now and easier now to store because there's so much space in the cloud. But then there's all these things called algorithms. and algorithms um, is where the neural network and the algorithm come into play. So we're able to now um, layer those algorithms on what they call artificial neural networks, which somewhat emulate human brain uh, in terms of how they think and how we process information. So that's helping us learn faster, if you will, uh, using that data and make connections that are not so linear uh, like humans work. Okay, so one of the things you guys are really focused on is helping us predict what our volume will be right. say, tomorrow or Wednesday, for example. So you're going out and you're getting a bunch of variables. You're looking at the weather, you're looking at the forecast, you're looking at the current weather, you're looking at the forecast, you might be looking at historical information as far as how many cars did we wash. It's, it's a lot like weather forecasting. Would that be a good analogy? That's right. I think so. I mean, okay. I think I'm, I'm sure they have a lot of capability on historical information. They also probably have a lot of indicators that will determine what will happen in the future. So yeah, you're right. It's, it's bringing together so many, um, so many different referential sources in addition to what's being captured um, in that moment by, say, the cameras. Okay. So let, let's say, for example, I washed, you, you were predicting tomorrow I'm going to wash 500 cars, but I only washed mm-hmm. 250 cars, mm-hmm. whatever. So what does your technology do to help realize that, hey, for some reason, our forecasting wasn't quite on. So when you make that forecast, I'm not sure how uh, a typical manager would do that, probably based on the day of the week. They know that maybe Tuesdays are lighter than Mondays. They may take on um, the weather and that way. But what we're doing is looking back at all the Tuesdays ever, um, all the different weather conditions that apply to that Tuesday as far back as we can go, um, looking at the sensitivity around the weather. So is it 0.3 millimeters of rain where the data, where the volume starts to drop off, or is it 0.4? These things are all hard for humans to do um, on a math scale. And so probably that veteran manager probably just knows it intuitively anyway, because he's experienced it all, but we're able to do that much faster with lots of other data sets as well. So beyond the weather, beyond the volume. Um, another example, one of our locations, there's a concert stadium nearby. And maybe that manager didn't know, but depending on what was happening and what kind of concert was um, 
performing or what kind of uh, person was performing, the volume would actually change because it'd have an impact on the traffic. Right. So we're able to make all these other deductions that would be very hard for a human to do. And we can do it relatively quickly because of the, the power of these neural networks and of course the, the ability to process all this in the cloud very efficiently. Yeah. Yeah. So you're, you're, you're able to, to identify, so in, in your algorithm, you'll say there's, okay, we, we believe or we see that concerts have an impact on volume here. Mm -hmm. And we're going to identify if it's a rock concert or if it's a, um, gosh, <laughs> like, like a skin, Jazz. for example, <laughs> like something different, but like if it's an electronic dance music concert, versus right. a rock concert, right. you know, you, you're going to go back and historically say electronic dance music will typically give us a 20% higher yield than a rock concert. Yes, to some extent, but we probably didn't intend to, to look at it in that angle. So the beauty of the machine learning is it'll figure that out itself. Right. right. So as a result, it'll, it'll figure out and come at that as a conclusion, but we probably didn't seek that or didn't even know that. So the beauty of the machine learning is it effectively learns by itself by seeing these patterns in data and combinations of data that as humans, we probably didn't understand. We did want the outcome is we want to predict better sales, but how we got to that outcome and better sales, we might learn later on that, oh, I didn't realize, as you said, different types of concert uh, performers had an impact. Yeah, yeah, no, I think that's, that's, so is there a difference between machine learning and artificial intelligence or are they kind of used interchangeably? Yeah, it's a good question. I think a lot of these terms are used interchangeably and I think relatively useful, uh, loosely right now. Um, I think machine learning is a subset of artificial intelligence. Okay. I, I like to think of artificial intelligence, and this is just my humble opinion, as the aspiration to mimic the human brain, mm -hmm. and we're heading towards that path, and machine learning is a leap and a step towards it. Okay. That's probably how it phrases. Okay. Yeah. And it's just, it's allowing machines to learn from the data to get, make, help us make better decisions or make better decisions. That's right. But we still need humans. Yeah. Yeah, which is interesting. I've read a lot of interesting information on artificial intelligence and kind of what the implications could be in the future. But, you know, it, it could fundamentally change a lot of things we do, um, which is which is, you know, going to be good and interesting, I think, you know, as, as we as we move forward. But what, one thing we were talking a couple of weeks ago was I was thinking about all these type of applications because I think about my camera systems at the car wash as being kind of mm -hmm dumb technology which means i've got to interact with it in order to make it useful because it's just it's recording but it's not really telling me anything and i was That's coming right. up with all these different scenarios for example i'd like to i'd like to get an alert if i feel like my you know my my like we were talking about trying to manage the rewash process um so i'd like to know if i've got customers who are abusing the rewash process and I'd like to know if my employees might be theoretically abusing the rewash process and hooking up their friends or whatever, um, you know, which, which I think would make my camera solution much more valuable to me because the only way it has any value right now, if somebody's manning it, somebody's observing and auditing what's going on. That's right. I think the cameras you could argue are pretty dormant, as you said, and probably only if there's frankly an incident, would you actually go tap it? Um, and what we're able to do is give you that data pretty much in real time. We give it to you by, by the way, via a dashboard. So you don't have to um, go and access it yourself. It, it's being uh, synthesized for you. And yeah, giving you that visibility, we capture a lot of the data you mentioned. 
And I think over time, you'll, you'll either get more sophisticated in, in what kind of notifications you're looking for, but the data is being captured. So right now we give you the basic visibility, you know, the counts, the durations, um, repeat customers, et cetera, and maybe how, you, how the flows are occurring through your location. But I think you can get, uh, to take it to the next level, if you will, through those notifications, as you mentioned. So hmm, if there's a, a, a car coming within two to three minutes, let me know, that's, that's odd, that rewash rate is maybe too high. Um, one of our other customers was actually looking at the actual flow of the customer through the location and determining whether the packages they were promoting um, at the gate were actually um, what consumers were actually um, acting on. So there's a there's a, a few things there that you can also adjust and customize over time as well. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, that that makes for a very interesting view. Um, so obviously, if we if we use the rewash problem, for example, I can tell if a car is coming up, or I can identify if a car is abusing that. You know, right now my guys have to keep logs because there's not. That's right. There, it's 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 pretty cumbersome for the POS system to track that, but our guys are keeping paper logs. But if I can use this technology to say, hey, I've got some some major rewash abuse going on from a customer perspective. But if, if I say, I think I've got an employee that's giving out too many rewashes and I want to kind of see what's going on there because I'm not sure if they're hooking up their friends or not. Did, how, would you, how would you develop an algorithm to help me figure that out? Well, I think you could start off with just real-time uh, alerting or maybe even just reporting at the end of the day that what were the rewash rates um, in that area, and that I think you could act on after that, whether you can correlate that with your shift uh, or maybe a day of the week, etc. So I think there's just a very basic alerting on counts and unusual activities against um, what maybe you usually have. So I think you'd get that without any kind of additional learning uh, or uh, functions for us to build. But you could, yes, you're right. I mean, if we see that demand from the customers, we could actually build predictive models based on what's happening at your location. Uh, one, based on historical information and basic possibly based on patterns that we're seeing uh, that we can't even recognize now with. And one of them could, uh, as an outcome, could be maybe a particular shift has a higher probability of rewashing. And then really, I think then for the manager then to go and look into why is that and is that a particular person or some other process issue. Right, right. Okay, okay. Yeah, those are the types of things. And that gets back to that question I was asking Anoop was, you know, I've got a lot of things I think this technology could help with, but I don't even know the questions to right. ask right. the system yet. Um, so it's, it's that interesting chicken or the egg problem where we've got some cool technology here that does some things for us automatically, but you know, a lot of car wash operators haven't even thought about how can I use this technology or how can I use a technology like this to, to, to benefit my operations. Right. And I think it's, I think I would say start it off in layers. Uh, take advantage of the basic visibility you get on your business, which should be a lot of value, uh, whether that's the operational metrics, the ability to, to, to target better conversions or maybe even upsell certain packages. Uh, to understand um, likelihood of of demand, and then I think as you get more comfortable, you can really start to dial it up and um, look at the data, watch the patterns, start to set up some other kind of notifications of things that you may or may not be seeing in the past, and you might even come across um, particular insights that you didn't know about, and maybe we didn't know about either, 
um, even across the experiences we had. So I think it's just layering it on and getting more comfortable over time. Yeah. So if, if you were going to install this on my site, how much time would you need before you felt like you were just able to accurately predict what my volume would be? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, our onboarding process is actually pretty straightforward. As soon as we have access to the cameras um, and a network connection, we'll start pulling the data immediately. We find with some of our customers, there's always some little bit of adjustment required. Maybe the camera was not at the right angle, a few things like that. Um, but you're pretty much running out, running within um, a few days. And then, then Omnix just starts capturing the data. And, and the dashboard, you can start using immediately for the operational metrics. Uh, what's going on in your business, conversion opportunities, et cetera. But there's some sort of normalization that's required. Obviously, we need to see enough volume to be able to detect the repeat customers. We need to see enough volume where we can start making reasonable predictions. And, and that usually is about a 60-day kind of plus period of time. Okay. But you can start on day one getting the basic operational metrics, and then those capabilities will become uh, more accurate after that. Yeah. And has any of the car wash customers used the broad level demographic information yet? In terms of age and gender? Yeah. Is that what you mean? No, we haven't seen customers use that in, in the car wash industry. They've been primarily focused on, if you will, uh, identifying, recognizing repeat vehicles, which okay. effectively in this case customers. We did have conversations with um, some chains about looking at the waiting areas and is there a lot of aggregation of people and what's the demographic of those? So that's something I think we'd love to explore more. And, and you heard me talk a little bit earlier about how we apply that to advertising and other things. So I could see that being an application down the road yeah. as well. Yeah, I think so too. If I, I get people that are willing to wait in the customer service area, maybe they're an older demographic, maybe those people are lean more toward full service type car washing versus That's right. express. So how do you market to those folks? You know, what, what are your opportunities? So lots, lots of great information there. Yeah. So, I mean, the technology, the, not that the sky's the limit, but pretty close in terms of its ability to answer a lot of questions for you to help make your operation better. Yeah, we think so. And we hope that we've made it, you know, so accessible and so simple now. So we try not to add to the, to the complexities of a small business operator. They've got enough to do as it is. Um, don't need to have a, you know, a huge technology staff um, and try to get that turnkey benefit and, and get the layers over time in terms of from operational to strategic. Yeah. Well, that's, that's great. That's, that's uh, Yeah. And I think you've hit the nail on the head that, you know, car wash operators don't need one more thing to manage. So the, you, you've identified the fact it's very seamless. It's, it's operating in the background, but giving people great information. Absolutely. Yeah. So if people want to find out more information about OmniX Labs, what would be the best way for them to get in touch with you or your team and maybe get some, some demos of, of your technology? Sure. I mean, we're on the web, obviously at OmniXLabs.com. So you can get in touch there. There's a, way to access or, or apply for a demo. And then you can also email us at uh, info at omnixlabs.com and okay. we'll be happy to help you. Very good, yeah. Exciting stuff, Manoop, I, I like this. I, I'm, I'm a big believer in technology and uh, you know the car wash industry really needs to start embracing technology and to make their business better. And this is one good example of that. So thanks so much for, uh, for joining us today. No, thank you very much, David. I appreciate the chat. Yeah. So thank you so much for listening to this episode of the How of Car Washing. Uh, if you want to go to our website, 
thehowcarracing.com. Leave a comment. Let us know if there's other subjects that you'd like for us to cover. You can also listen to us on Stitcher and, and iTunes. If, you, if you're an iTunes listener or a Stitcher listener, please leave a comment and uh, give, us, give us a good like. That kind of helps other people know that we're out there and we're doing this. And we appreciate that. So thanks so much for listening. And we'll catch you next time on The How of Car Washing. This episode of The How of Car Washing is sponsored by OmniX Labs. OmniX Labs uses your existing video camera system coupled with machine learning and artificial intelligence to give you valuable information about your car wash. If you would like to automatically get actionable information from your video system, visit OmniXLabs.com and request a demo. Thank you for listening to The How of Car Washing. For more information, links, and other resources, please visit thehowofcarwashing.com and leave us a comment if you have a topic you would like discussed. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to having you next time on The How of Car Washing.